we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here. And today we are kicking off a brand new collection of messages called Christmas Like Jesus. And it's in this season, in this series, that we want to look at Christmas through the lens of what Jesus came to do and who he came to be for you and for me. And what we want to do throughout this series is trade in the chaos of the commercialized version of Christmas that culture likes to sell us and trade it in for the true peace of Christmas this year. And this series is very fitting for who we are as a church. If you're new to Elevate City, we're just some Jesus people. We are wildly passionate about the person of Jesus. And our hope is that you would encounter him and that you would come to know him and walk with him. And we truly believe that Jesus changes everything. And so throughout this series, Jesus is the banner that we want to raise over this holiday season. Jesus is the story that we want to tell. And Jesus is the person and the name that we want to elevate here in this place. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 10? And this will be our launching point for where we're going today and really just for the whole series. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 45. And this is Jesus speaking right here. I'm going to kind of read just one verse and we're going to come back to it in just a little bit. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 45. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, throughout the Gospels, there are many moments where Jesus speaks to bring clarity for us on who he is and what he came to do and what he came to be for you and me. And he also gives clarity on what he came not to do, what he said he didn't come to do. See, he was explicitly clear on numerous occasions why he was born and why he was not born. And so today, I want us to spend some time looking at what Jesus said he didn't come to do. Because if we look at what he said he didn't come to do, I believe it can help us understand who he came to be for us. And so if you're taking notes, the title of our message today is what Jesus wasn't born to do. What Jesus wasn't born to do. How many of y'all, by show of hands, are excited for the Christmas season? You're so grateful that it's here. Amen. How many of y'all truly believe that this really is the most wonderful time of the year? You believe that? Okay. A few of y'all I can't really see right now, but cool. I'm kind of blinded by the lights. Um, but uh, man, I was having a conversation with someone this past week and um, we were just talking and we um, office at this co-working space. And so there's different people, different places there. And I was just talking with this guy and having casual conversation. And I just asked a normal question around this time of the year. I was like, so are you excited for the Christmas season? And he replies, I kid you not. He starts to laugh out loud and he goes, ha, absolutely not. I was like, what? He goes, I wish I could go into comatose and just wake up with it all being over. And I looked at him in just shock. And I was like, okay, I got to go. And I just walked away. I was blown away. See, the reality is, is that many of us love the Christmas season. But at the same time, many of us dread the Christmas season. Have you ever said this phrase before? I wish I could just get through the holidays. Have you ever said that? Maybe you're like, oh yeah, well, once I get through the holidays, once we make it through the holidays, then I'll be able to blank. One study from 2019 uh, said that two in five people would rather sit in the line at the DMV than have to go through the holiday stress. Anyone else? You're like, give me the DMV all day. 
In that same study, they said, and this is wild, that 20% of people would rather sit on a long plane ride next to a crying baby than have to deal with the holiday stress. That's wild, 20%. Hey, sign me up right there, crying baby, all in. See, isn't this supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year? Many times we're hoping, okay, maybe this is the year that it really is the most wonderful time of the year for me. I want to talk for just, uh, let's talk for just a second about giving gifts. Giving gifts, giving gifts can feel like such a hallmark of the Christmas season, but for so many people, it's actually the most stressful part of their year, right? Like giving gifts, for, for many of you, you feel like you've got to produce this like perfect Christmas for your family, all the super moms in the room, okay? You feel this stress and this pressure. I just got to get everyone everything that they want, and, and I just got to be able to produce this perfect Christmas. And what does it do? It causes you to be stressed out because what is getting gifts for people? It's like looking for treasure without a map. No one knows what they want, and so you're just trying to figure it all out on your own. For some people, the receiving gifts isn't actually all that it's cracked up to be. Like for you, maybe around this time of the year, you're actually stressed out about what you're going to get from people. Like you don't like the spotlight being on you, any of the introverts in the room. You're like, do not shine the spotlight on me. I don't want people watching me as I open their gifts because it makes me anxious. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Do they want me to react like loudly and happy? Like what am I supposed to do when I open this gift? Do they like this gift? Do they want me to like this gift? I don't know how to feel. For you, maybe Maybe gift giving and receiving causes you just anxiety. And then there's Christmas parties. Anyone in the Christmas season, maybe you've gotten invited to a Christmas party. And many people, they love Christmas parties. I love them. I think they're great. But then there's other people that they hate them. They're like, another thing on my calendar? You want me to go to another event in December? Like, what am I even going to wear? Like, I got to spend the whole month just looking for the perfect outfit to go to this thing with people that I don't even like so that I can sit there and not talk to anyone. You're like, the Christmas season, come on. And then there's the financial stress. Like for many of us, you're like, okay, I got gifts, but I also gave gifts. So in January, you're like, did I break even? Like, have any of you, you looked at your bank account in January and you're like, did I just take out a second mortgage without realizing it? Like, sorry, kids, you can't go to college. Your cousin Johnny needed the new meta goggles and we're broke now. Like, come on. And then there's the busyness. We're just so busy trying to keep up with everyone else. And we're going to that next thing and doing the next thing. And the moms in the room are just like, I'm just trying to make everybody happy. And the dads are like, can I get a new putter, please? Like, that's all I want. And in the midst of all of this busyness, when it's finally over, we sit down on the couch and we look at each other and we say, now what? Now what? What do we do now? Like, have you ever done that? Christmas morning, you open stockings and then you have your Christmas quiche and then you open presents and you sit around and then you open the presents and there's just like trash everywhere and you look at each other and you're like, well, what do you guys want to do now? Like everyone plans out November 1st all the way through 11 a.m. on Christmas morning, but nobody makes plans for December 26th, right? Like you've never been like, you know what, we're going to do this the day after Christmas. No, because you're just trying to make it through the holidays. See, I believe that this is why studies show that 88% of Americans say that the holiday season is the most stressful time of the year. But was it supposed to be the most wonderful See, we do all of these things in the name of Christmas, believe in the lie that culture sells us that this is what it's all about. 
But is this really what Jesus had in mind when he came to be born? Like, what if this isn't what it looks like to Christmas like Jesus? What if there was a way to find peace in the middle of all this pandemonium? What if there was a better way to Christmas? What if Christmas wasn't just something to make it through, but it was someone to be like? It's Jesus. And so in Mark chapter 10, there's this story of Jesus and his disciples coming to Jesus, and they come to Jesus with this wish list of sorts. They've got these requests for Jesus, and I believe that this really sums up the commercialized Christmas season that we've been sold so well. In Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 35, it says, And James and John, these are uh, two of Jesus' closest followers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came up to him, and, he sa- and they said to Jesus, Teacher, We want for you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. Like every time I read this, I can't help but chuckle because I'm thinking of James and John in this moment. And to like, do they see Jesus as some sort of genie in a bottle that just came to grant his, their wishes? Like, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. But isn't this so oftentimes how we see Jesus? Like culture around Christmas time, we're fine with celebrating and talking about Jesus because at Christmas, Jesus seems sort of tamed. He seems just like a baby. He's just controlled and confined and he doesn't seem to offend anyone. At Christmas, he's just a song or kind of like a genie in a bottle or a fat man with a long white beard just giving everyone everything that they want rather than the king of the universe that calls us to die to ourselves and to live for And so if you're taking notes today, we're going to go through four specific passages of scripture where Jesus clarifies what he didn't come to do. And in each, we're going to pull out five specific ways that we can Christmas like Jesus this year in light of what Jesus said he didn't come to do. And so point number one, Jesus wasn't born to give you everything that you want. Seems really simple, but especially around this time of the year, I believe we all need this reminder. Jesus was not born to give us stuff or to give us status. He wasn't born to be our Santa. When I was younger, I remember being so confused as to why Santa seemed to like all of my friends more than me. Every year around Christmas time, I remember that I would try to be as good as possible so that I could make it on Santa's nice list. You ever done that before? Like, I would take out the trash, and I would do all of my chores, and for just a brief moment, I would stop talking back to my parents just so that I could get some good gifts from jolly old St. Nick. And every single year, though, it never failed that I always got the same thing from Santa. One deck of Pokemon cards. One deck of Pokemon cards. Like, that's it. Like, I would even, every year, I would go above and beyond, and I would put out reindeer food by the front door to feed Rudolph just so that he could, in return, give me one deck of Pokemon cards. And meanwhile, while my friend Brandon, I would look at him, and every year for Christmas, he would rake in a Razor scooter, a BMX bike with pegs, a PS2, a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and a full entire pack of Pokemon cards, just from Santa. And so the next year, 
I would try again to be good. Gosh, I just want Santa to like me. I just got to make it to his nicest so I can get the things that I want. And if we're honest, I think so many of us, this is how we see Jesus as just seasonal, as sentimental, as just the God that we want to try to please so that he will give us the things that we want when we want it. But Jesus isn't a genie in a bottle and he isn't Santa. King David in Psalm 23, the most famous chapter of the Bible, I love how he starts it out. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Other translations say, I have all that I need. Listen, Jesus didn't come so that you could get everything that you want. Jesus came to be everything that you and I need. But isn't this the theme of this season, though? Like, I just... I just got to get what I want. Like you've got people texting you right now. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want? What can I get you? Did you know that we just had the largest shopping weekend ever in the history of the world? This past weekend, according to Adobe Statistics, this is crazy. Black Friday sales hit a record $9 billion just online. And then Cyber Monday eclipsed that by $11.2 billion being spent just online, the most ever, which I thought we were in some sort of like recession, but apparently not. But the most startling stat that I came across this week was that buy now, pay later, BNLP, it's the abbreviation, you know like now when you go to buy something on Amazon, it's like, would you like to pay for this over the next 72 months? And you're like, I just need a toaster, bro. <laughs> like, come on. Buy now, pay later is up 83% over this last period, which means that people may not have the means to buy what they want this Christmas, but that isn't going to stop them from getting what they want. We are obsessed with getting what we want. See, for so many people, Christmas is just this reaction to the allure of materialism, that we should buy more things, and that the assumption that getting more gifts is of highest importance, and that getting further into debt and ending up disappointed is just okay. In fact, it's the norm. And so Christmas, for so many people, is just, ah, it's all about stuff. It's because we're obsessed with getting what we want, and what we want is the new and the next best thing. At Christmas time, how many times have you been like, oh, what I need is just that next Apple Watch, that next iPhone 14, whatever, that next TV deal that I saw on Amazon, I need that TV, or that next trip, I got to go on a trip, or that next trend, and maybe that will just be able to satisfy for me just for just a moment. I need that thing. So we're all ultimately looking for what's next because we're not satisfied with what we have right now. See, Christmas, like the culture, looks like a Christmas wish list. Jordans, check. Those new Madewell pants that were 50% off for just that one weekend, check. That new gadget on Amazon that you really just needed because it was going to solve all of your problems, gets me every time, check. But I need you to know that in a world that's always looking for what's next, Jesus remains the same. Hebrews 13 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in a world that's always changing, Jesus is the one constant that remains the same, faithful. He is what we need. In a world that's constantly changing, he is the constant that we need. And in a world that's always looking for new, did you know that Jesus has come to bring you the new that you truly need? He came to give you a new heart came to give you new life. He came to transform you from the inside 
out. And in a world that's always looking for more, more stuff under the tree, I got to find more, more gifts to try to make us happy. Jesus says, I didn't come to make you happy. I came to make you holy, holy like I am. See, Jesus wasn't born just so that we could make it through the Christmas season and get everything that we want. Like, I love a tastefully decorated Christmas tree, and I love Christmas cookies. Anyone else? Amen. But I got to be reminded that Jesus wasn't born to put a Christmas tree in my living room, and he wasn't born to put lights on my house, and he wasn't born so that we can watch that boring A Christmas Story movie every year on repeat, and he wasn't born so that we could have our best lives now. Jesus wasn't born so that we can just Christmas like the culture. Jesus was born so that we could Christmas like the Christ, the sacrificial servant, king of the universe, Christ, Jesus Christ. Christ. And in a world that is so obsessed with new and with next and trending and get more, have more, Jesus preached a countercultural message of contentment. Jesus' message and Christmasing like Jesus looks like contentment. Got a little side message real quick. If you turn to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, Jesus in verse 22, he said to his disciples, he said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. See, despite that Old Navy commercial, life is more than clothing. And if you're a follower of Jesus, our call is to live for something so much more than the materialism of this day. And Jesus says, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink. Nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Listen, your Father knows what you need. And I believe the source of all the stress around Christmas time is because we spend so much time looking at what everyone else has. Like Jesus says, all the other nations seek after these things. We're looking around us at what everyone else has and we're getting caught in this trap of comparison and it's killing the contentment in our hearts and our lives and it's causing chaos in our souls. We're looking around just comparing ourselves with everyone else, trying to keep up with everyone else. And some of us need this reminder this season that our Heavenly Father knows what we need. And so you don't have to seek after lesser things and worry about lesser things when your Heavenly Father loves to care for you. See, a lack of contentment, what it does is it causes me to look horizontally at what other people have and try to compare myself to them. But contentment causes me to look vertically at our Heavenly Father And be reminded that regardless of my possessions or lack thereof, he knows my every need and he promises to be enough for me. There's a story I came across of a Puritan who one day sat down for a meal of bread and water. And he bowed his head and he declared, all this and Jesus too? All this and Jesus too, like why don't we have that perspective? See, I believe it's because we're so busy. We've got our phones in our hands and we're scrolling through Amazon while we're eating and we're just looking for more. And so we aren't even reminded that we get Jesus. The theologian John Stott once wrote, this is so good. He said, contentment is the secret of inward peace 
Anyone else looking for peace this Christmas? Contentment is the secret of inward peace. It remembers the stark truth that we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Life, in fact, is a pilgrimage from one moment of nakedness to another. So we should travel light and live simply. Our enemy is not possessions, but excess. Our battle cry is not nothing, but enough. We've got enough. Simplicity says if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Earlier this week, I was thinking about this message and I was getting ready for work one morning and my son Hudson walked into the room and he sits down on my bed and he looks at me. He looks around the room. He looks at me and he says, Dad, you've got a lot of stuff. I was like, what? He goes, you got a lot of stuff. Look at this stuff. And I was like, wait, hold on. Is this the Holy Spirit just speaking right now through my son? Like, what is going on? Like, the pride in myself was like, I'm about to take that boy downstairs. We're about to count his toys. I'm going to show him who has a lot of stuff. It's wild. What if in the midst of all the chaos of this Christmas season, what if we chose to pause and we chose to say, all of this? Look at your life, all of this, and I get Jesus too. Like John Stott said, it's not that possessions are our enemy, it's that excess is. So we've got to position our lives to say Jesus is enough for me, and if I get other stuff, cool. But if not, Jesus is enough. And so to Christmas, like Jesus, we need to be content in every season. And I get that some of y'all are like, okay, Joe, that's easier said than done. Like, if I could just snap my fingers and be content, like, cool, I would do that. But it's not that easy. Well, we've got to start somewhere, though. So my challenge for you is to slow down for a moment this week. Slow down for just one moment. Find a moment to put your phone down. And in the midst of all the hustle and hype, pause be thankful, be grateful, think of all that God has done for you. And just like King David, would you say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have all that I need. I was made for more to seek Jesus's kingdom. Back to Mark chapter 10. James and John, they were asking Jesus to give them what they wanted. And ultimately what James and John wanted was to share in Jesus' glory. They wanted status. They wanted position. They wanted influence and power. And so what does Jesus say back to them? In verse 38, Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism which, with which I am baptized? Pause for a second. He's saying, are you able to drink the cup of the divine judgment of God that I'm going to drink for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can be justified with a holy God. I'm doing that for you. You can't do that. This is a once and for all thing that I am doing. And he says, but to sit at my right hand or to sit at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those whom it has been prepared. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. So everyone else is like, why did they say that? Even though they wanted to say the same thing. And Jesus called them and he said to him, and they said, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. And then he says this, if you're taking, if you've got your Bible, I want you to underline this, but it shall not be so among you. 
that we're called to live different, that we're called to see the world different. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must also be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, James and John were seeking status and position. Their question was all about themselves. For them, they were more concerned about sharing in Jesus' glory rather than what they could do to serve and be like him. See, Christmas isn't about what you can get. It's about what Jesus came to give, and it's his life. He came to give his life for you and me. And here in Mark 10, Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. And if you've got your Bible, underline that, son of man. This is the most primary title that Jesus refers to himself as. And it was a title of his humanity, that he was fully human in full human form when he came. But at the same time, he was also, it was a title of his deity, that he was fully God, fully God in the flesh. And it was also a title of his humility that he didn't come to rule and reign like the kings of this world, but that he came to serve and to die. Which leads us to point number two. Jesus wasn't born to be served. See, Jesus's posture was not a posture of power, but of humility. And this completely shattered the beliefs of what they thought the Christ would come to do. See, they were expecting someone to come and rule and reign over the people of this earth. But Jesus came to sit with people and to serve people. See, so many times we think that greatness comes through positions of power, but Jesus was clear that greatness comes through postures of humility. And rather than chasing after success so that we can gain status, thinking that that will give us significance, which is what James and John were after, Jesus came to flip the script on that logic. You see, success is all about what we can do for ourselves, but significance is all about what you can do for others. And what did Jesus model? Significance, a life living to serve people. See, Christmasing like Jesus looks like living a life of significance. Think of all that Jesus accomplished in just three years of ministry. Three years, changed the world forever because he lived a life of humility and sacrifice and selflessness. See, I need you to know that Christmas, like Jesus, isn't about achieving more so that we can matter more on this earth. Christmasing, like Jesus, is about living a life like him so that what we do here on earth matters more in eternity. It's all about an eternal mindset. That's the beautiful paradox that Jesus came to establish, that he is king and his kingdom is not of this world and his kingdom is beyond just the here and the now and we're called to live for eternity. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Let's see what else Jesus said he didn't come to do. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. I promise you haven't heard someone preach on this. Matthew chapter 10, 34 Jesus says this, he says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Whoa. For I have come to set man against his father and his daughter and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemy will be those of his own household. Now that was a tongue twister right there. This leads us to point number three. Jesus wasn't born to prioritize peace. See, for so many of us, the prominent message of Christmas is peace. I've been talking a lot about peace tonight. 
I just want to have a peaceful Christmas with my family. Like Jesus came in a manger and it was so peaceful. Like isn't that what the angels said in Luke chapter 2 where they said glory to God in the highest and peace among those with whom he is pleased. You're like, Joe, didn't, Jesus didn't come to bring peace. Well, he preached a message about pre- peace like Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And so, wait, isn't Jesus also called the Prince of Peace like we were just singing about? So why in the world would Jesus say, I didn't come to bring peace? See, Jesus absolutely came to bring peace, but peace on earth was not his priority. Jesus came to bring peace, but that peace was ultimately to be between man and God. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus came to bring peace for our souls, peace for our souls that would trump the desire for peace to please people here on this earth, that we would just have peace with the people around us. See, I believe Jesus made this statement to kind of shock us, like picture it with just caution emojis all around it to get your attention. He's like, I didn't come to bring peace here on this earth like you think of. See, Jesus wasn't the ordinary kind of leader or prophet that the world was looking for at the time. He wasn't a charlatan. He wasn't a political leader. He wasn't a Gandhi-like figure. He made it clear that his truth and his teachings were going to sever like a sword through the status quos of the ways of this world and the ways of our lives. And so, so many of us, especially in this season, we just want to, you know, have peace with people. We just want to please everyone in the name of peace. We don't want to say, say something that offends people or ruffles any feathers, especially around the dinner table. Like, I don't want to bring up my faith at the dinner table because I know that some people don't believe what I believe. But see, Jesus' ways superseded the status quo of what it looked like to live a conflict-free life. And so we should absolutely live lives of peace, but peace on earth is not our utmost priority. And so what is the priority? Well, we got to keep reading. Remember, when you're reading the Bible, context is so important. And so to fully understand what Jesus means, we've got to keep on reading. And if I could give you one Bible study tip for tonight, it's that you would keep on reading. Like when you come across something in the Bible and you're like, that's weird. Don't just close the book and just like put it to the side. No, no, no. Keep on reading. Because what the Bible does is it brings clarity as you keep on on reading. And so Jesus, he continues on. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, Jesus is saying that treasuring him and living for him is of most importance for you and me. He's speaking to these Jews in first century Palestine who would most likely be hearing these words and they would want to follow Jesus, but they knew that if they went home and said that they wanted to follow this Jesus, that they would likely be kicked out of their family, kicked out onto the streets, disowned, eventually be persecuted, and maybe even be martyred for their faith. See, they didn't... They knew that there was this conflict of trying to please their family or pursue Jesus. And what Jesus was saying is pursuing Jesus is the priority. You can't choose to follow Jesus and not love him most. See, despite what you hear, Jesus didn't come so that our families could be perfect and put together. 
That's so much of the picture of Christmas, just a perfect family, nice sweaters for the Christmas card, and everybody's smiling. But Jesus' priority for you and me is that we would prioritize him over everything. That's Christmas like Jesus. It's that your family would all know him and treasure him as first. I love how John Piper, the pastor and author, he says this about this passage right here. He says, Jesus comes into the world as the supreme beauty and supreme joy and supreme value of the universe. He comes with absolute supreme authority, and therefore he claims in every family and in every business and in every school and in every church and in every political party and in every nation superior allegiance, a superior love. And so with the sword of his supremacy, he cuts every affection and every allegiance to family or business or school or church or political party or nation which would compete with him for supreme place in our hearts allegiance to Jesus is our priority let's see what else Jesus said he didn't come to do in Luke chapter 5 verse 29 and Levi made him a great feast in his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They're like, Jesus, why are you hanging out with all these messed up people? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners unto repentance. Number four, Jesus wasn't born for religious people. Jesus came into the world in a desperate time and in a desperate way. Think about this. The king of the universe was born in Bethlehem, seemingly by accident. He was born in a cave. In fact, he was born in a feeding trough, in obscurity, seemingly without dignity. It would have been expected that Jesus would have been hailed upon his arrival by all the religious elite and all the rulers of their day, that they would be singing his praises. But no, he wasn't praised by the elite. He was praised by everyday, ordinary people like you and me. See, no one expected Jesus to show up on the scene as some just rabbi with a just collection of just fishermen and tax collectors and sinners walking around with him all over the place nor did the people of the day and expect Jesus to come and confront the religious rather than comfort them Jesus was different Jesus Jesus's people were not the religious in fact it was the religious people that were most upset with Jesus most frustrated by his teachings and the ones that desired most that he would depart be gone and so with that, one of the nicknames that Jesus garnered for himself was Jesus, friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. See, Jesus didn't come to make irreverent people religious. It's not why he came. See, religion is all about what you can do for God but the gospel is all about what God has come to do for you. And the religious leaders were expecting Jesus to come and just clean up all the bad people, just make them all good. And that's what so many people expect today, right? We're just going to just make all these bad people look good and feel good. And no, 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 no. Jesus says no one is good but God alone. I haven't come to make bad people good, but to bring dead people to life. That is why Jesus came, not to make us good, but to make us alive. So you can't Christmas like Jesus if you refuse to love the people that Jesus loves. 
That includes like, you know, that family member that you are not looking forward to be at dinner with, that you really got beef with right now, that you cannot forgive, that you've got bitterness in your heart towards, that person that in your life is broken and lost and you are just at odds with. See, Jesus calls us to love the lost, the spiritually sick, the ones whose hearts are broken, and bring them to the one who can heal them. Because the reality is we're all in need of a doctor. We all need a doctor. We're all broken. We all got our baggage. We all need Jesus to come and to heal our hearts. Romans 3 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And the problem of that sin is that it separates us from the God of the universe that created you and loves you and wants you to have relationship with him. And so maybe this Christmas season, one of the things that you and I need to do is remove the self-righteous, religious filters for how we see the world and start to love and forgive like Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you this, you can't Christmas like Jesus with unforgiveness in your heart. You can't Christmas like Jesus with bitterness or hate in your heart. You cannot Christmas like Jesus if you don't choose to lead with love. John 3 Our last of these scriptures, John 3, 16. We just spent a whole series talking about this passage right here. Jesus says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Point number five, Jesus wasn't born to condemn. Jesus didn't come in ambiguity. He was a man on a mission from the moment he took his very first breath on this earth. Jesus was on a mission fueled by the love of God, and he didn't come to condemn. He came to save. Jesus saves. Two of the most Beautiful words ever written. Simple, but yes, so beautiful that he came for you and he came for me. He came to give you a new heart, to save your soul, and to usher you into relationship with the God of the universe. And so I don't know what kind of baggage you came in here with you tonight. I don't know what sort of chaos your life seems to look like. I need you to know that ultimately Jesus came for you. He came to save sinners, which I am one too. We all are, we have all messed up, we have all fallen short, but he came to give us peace for our soul, that he would usher us forgiveness for our sins. He would meet our greatest need, which is the forgiveness of our sin and the salvation of our soul so that we could know God. That's what he came to do. And he modeled for us this life that was unlike anyone else. And he's saying, hey, if you will come follow me, I'm not going to make you perfect, but I'm going to transform your heart. I'm going to give you a new life. I'm going to usher you into the family of God. And I'm going to call you my son, my daughter of the king of the universe. See, Jesus wasn't born just to meet all of our expectations. He was born for our salvation. 
and he was born so that we could know 